Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Cyberpunk 2077, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Doom Eternal, Animal Crossing New Horizons. These are just some of the games that we will not be covering in the IGN UK podcast Alternative Games of the Year Awards. As we do every year, uh, we have convened three of us this year. Some years we do all of us, but it turns out that's a massive shag to organise, so we couldn't be asked. Um so, uh, yeah, three of us have come together. We, I am joined by Alex Simmons. Hello. And Jesse and Gomez. Hello. And we have put together some alternative awards, kooky little ideas about what we wanted to talk about from this year that might not be included in the huge number of Game of the Year awards the IGN already does. I would just like to say that my awards are not kooky. They are definitive. Thank you They're very definit- much, yes. Definitively mm, okay. kooky. Um, yeah, so... IGN has put up all its nominations for our Games of the Year. Um, there is a lot to go through. It's been a weird year, I think. Like, yeah. I don't think there's been a lot where I kind of go... I don't mean in terms of the pandemic. <laughs> I mean in terms of games. <laughs> Just the boring world of games. I don't feel like there's been too much of, like, groundbreaking. It doesn't feel like the year when there was, like, Red Dead and God of War and, like... Some you know stuff that was really vying to be like huge blockbuster, change the entertainment medium type stuff. Yeah, it's that it's that tricky end of a generation, start of the next, where yeah, arguably we've seen some of the best iterative stuff mm. and people squeezing the most out of those the the, the consoles from last gen, um, but then obviously still finding their feet with this gen. Yeah, or then ignoring consoles completely when it comes to cyberpunk. So <laughs> yeah, there is that. Um, but I do feel like we've got a good list of good stuff in here. Some some more obvious than others, I think. Um, but I think I think it should be a fun chat. So Jesse, why don't you kick us off with your first award uh, and in in the positive spirit that we all that we all enjoy. <laughs> it's it's come down to the this goes to the less is not more award, and it's the uh, <laughs> Resident Evil Three. Remake, and I remember when it was my first podcast with you guys, where I mentioned Resident Evil 3 was my favorite Resident Evil game. And I, remem- mm. I remember saying that for the main reason is that Nemesis. And when it came to the remake, for some reason, they relegated my favorite boy to mainly cutscenes, And that just, that really hurts when you think of a game like Resident Evil 3, where it's, the whole point is that you're being chased by Nemesis. And to have, mm. you know, the mainstay of that game be you know, sideline to a few cutscenes and really lackluster boss battles is really disappointed. And to be fair, I feel like I was slightly tricked because when that demo came out, Dale and I really enjoyed it. It was like the best slice of Resident Evil 3 because it's the Mm. opening where Nemesis is still kind of out in the open in Raccoon City. But as soon as you get past that, and that's where the demo ends, unfortunately, for the rest of the game, you're left with a lot of sections that were cut out from the original and the rest of the game, which just isn't very good when you think, I mean, when you compare it to Resident Evil 2 Remake, which was really substantial. I mean, I finished yeah. Resident Evil 3, the remake, in four hours. And it's like, 
that's that's just not good enough, man. It's really it's, upsetting. It's weird, especially because like Resident Evil Two turned Mister X into like from kind of he he wasn't like a huge deal in the original Resident N- Evil Two, no, right? No, no, not at all. And like you you only encounter him, I believe, in one of the one of the playthroughs because obviously yeah. you have the A and B side and stuff and. You know, at least with the Resident Evil 2 remake as well, like Mr. X, he felt surprisingly dynamic. You'd be walking mm. around the RPD and then you hear those footsteps. And it's like, shit, now it's going to get real. Except with Nemesis, he appears very briefly. And whenever you have those scripted chases and, you know, they're always like headed up by a really, you know, bombastic cutscene. And as lovely and as well produced as those are, it doesn't compare to when Mr. X is skulking about. And, you know, his huge fist is just around the corner waiting to, like, pummel your face in. Well, that's it. Mr. X became, like, a cultural phenomenon when Resident Evil 2 came out. Everyone was... Everyone enjoyed him. He kind of had that same thing of, like, um, fucking horrible man with the beard from Resident Evil 7 who smashes (laughs) through the wall. Um, He had that same vibe of everyone being, like, scared of him, but kind of loving that he was... He acted the way he did. He felt like a step forward for, like, how horror games could work. But um, that, and that, yeah, they kind of shot their Nemesis load before they even got to Nemesis. And, and, that, and that's what's good, because I remember when the Resident Evil 2 remake came out, I saw like, because I mean, I'm just going to say it, I browse Reddit sometimes, and I was looking <laughs> at the Resident Evil 2, I was, I was looking at the Resident Evil subreddit, and a lot of people, especially Lock on YouTube as well, <laughs> like a lot of people were saying that, man, Mr. X, especially like when the game first came out, Mr. X appears too much and stuff, and I think a lot mm. of reviews echoed that as well, so Capcom were like, oh no the main bad guy. He's in it too much. Let's just have him in cutscenes now for Resident Evil 3. And now it's kind of done this, um, it's kind of reversed a bit where everyone kind of loves Mr. X. And then when 3 came out, it's like, let's just not have Nemesis in it. Mm. And I was like, what's what's the point, man? It's, it's, it's- so confusing because you had a, this great blueprint with Resident Evil 2 and it's just like, fuck it. Who cares? It's, it's such <laughs> a weird thing because, yeah, it, like, apart from anything else, Capcom had like, a fairly unbroken string of bangers for yeah. a couple of years there. Yeah, and this, this kind of drops the ball a little bit. But also the fact that Resident Evil 2 was in development for like, what, fucking like eight Ages. years or something? Ages, it was like, insane how long that game was being I mean, worked on. Back when, Resident Evil 2, back when Resident Evil was still on the PlayStation 2, people were like, when is Resident Evil 2 Remake coming out? And yeah. stuff, you know? Because <laughs> especially with um, Outbreak, you have a few little like maps that are basically from Resident Evil 2 and 3. So people always mm. wanted that remake. And for it to be, you know in the pipeline for so long. And I know a lot of people still love Resident Evil 2. That's their favorite Resident Evil game. And I think it's the same with Dale. But for me, Resident Evil 3 was special because of Nemesis and how, especially on the PS1. I mean, he appears in all the moments where you would expect him to, but he still felt dynamic even for a game that was on the PS1. And then to have all this technology that is shown off in Resident Evil 2 not be in Resident Evil 3, I just, I really don't understand it. And it makes me a little bit concerned for Village. I feel like Resident Evil has a bit of an uncertain future especially with all the leaks happening right now and how the game you know i can imagine it ends up being delayed but potentially i'm not yeah. too sure but well <laughs> that's it resi resi 4 is my favorite resi yeah like, i know I, I know that's a pretty original opinion um but uh <laughs> i mean it's a good it's a good but, game it's a, but re- it's I really, a good game i really hope they don't rush it like maybe. that's what that's what resi 3 feels like it feels yeah. like they were going oh we've got to capitalize on this interest and well, we've got to get it out it feels like they they threw it out to fill in the gap for this year but they've got one eye on village for next year mm. at least that's what i would hope also it had multiplayer you love that didn't yeah. you yeah actually like this is the thing a lot of people really dislike the campaign <laughs> oh no 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 genuinely <laughs> okay. resistance is the best part of remake and no one i mean 3 remake and no one expected that 
But yeah. the <laughs> Resistance has had more updates and is more fun than the campaign, which everyone was expectedly going to love. And yeah, it's it's just mad. It really Sad is. Sad state of affairs. Uh, well, let's let's. I think that's our most negative award. But I think it's a good place to start. I'm glad because... I kicked it off. <laughs> no, I like it. I'm glad we did that because. I don't think we actually... I think we talked about Resi 3 a bit, but I think there is... I think it's been forgotten a bit amid the rest of this year, and I think that's worth worth bringing up. And I certainly forgot about it. <laughs> yeah. Al, what's your first alternative award? So, so it's not super negative, but it's <laughs> oh, a little bit in the middle. Shit. It's, it's the award for the game I planned to play the shit out of, but didn't. <laughs> okay. Oh. Um, and there's two runners up here. First runners up is Watch Dogs Legion, because in the run up to that game coming out, everything I saw was like, this is my fucking thing. Well up for it. Mm. But then when I played through it, the opening missions, I just thought it was a bit hackneyed and contrived. And all the things I it kind of promised, it didn't do for me. Yeah. Like even like I thought, right, I'm going to wander around central London. I'm going to explore all the things, places that I've worked and known so well. And I'd literally, I'd get from Piccadilly Circus to Oxford Street and I'd be like, well, hang on a sec, this this makes no sense. And I, I'm sure GTA does that if you're a someone who lives in LA. But for me, GTA did that bit better. Mm. So I didn't play it that much in the end. I didn't <laughs> get fair. to see Bumblebee Lady or the granny or anything like that. So I wouldn't worry about missing the Bumblebee Lady. The Bumblebee people were <laughs> shite. Oh, all right then. <laughs> Uh, second runner-up was uh, Ghost of Shishima because, frankly, I thought it was fucking boring. <laughs> <laughs> How could you? Well, I think part of the problem was is it came out after one of the best games of the generation, which I will mm. talk about later. Mm. Uh, and after sort of seeing what that offered, this just felt a little bit insignificant in comparison. And I'm sure it's a lovely Assassin's Creed alike. But at that point, I didn't really... Uh. I honestly, I, wasn't up for I know it. this. Yeah. Is, I know this isn't the discussion, but I honestly still do not understand how Ghost of Tsushima is so well loved. It's beautiful, and don't get me wrong, I, I have nothing against people who like it. I just don't understand why it's yeah. like up there with people's games of the year. It's just, it's a worse Assassin's Creed game than Valhalla. Having those missions, the same where, stuff, like, having those missions where you have to chase someone or rather follow them, <sighs> and then they stop and then turn around. It's like, dude, that's from like PS2 era. Like yes. we need to get past yeah. that now. <laughs> yeah, but that's not my winner. My winner, which on paper should be the perfect Alex Simmons game, mm. is Star Wars Squadrons. Because mm. I loved uh, X-Wing TIE Fighter when I was a kid. Um, I love Star Wars. The idea of piloting an X-Wing, an A-Wing, all those things is, is incredible. And then the demo that came with Battlefront was amazing. Mm. But when I actually came to playing it, and maybe it's because I was playing it on a console with a pad, which is not ideal for those kind of things. It just didn't kind of gel as an experience for me. I, I, I like the story and, and what it tried to do. Uh, and I think if I'd have stuck with it more, I'd have liked the big kind of fleet battles because, mm. again, mm. they sound amazing. But I think if I was playing in VR on a PC with the full shebang, I'd have loved it. But it didn't click for me on PlayStation. Yeah. yeah, I was I was exactly the same. Like this this was one of my most anticipated games from announcement and like they didn't get anything wrong. There's nothing no. about this game where I'm like it's bad. It's it's not doing what I want. It's just for some reason I got into it and I was like it looks gorgeous. It's got all the right like feel to it, but it just felt a 
I don't know, it just felt a bit distant to me. I didn't feel yeah, like yeah. I was totally into it as a as a concept from the start. And I, yeah. I was a bit sad about that. The, the entire experience feels like it was built for VR and it's like, we're not going to mm. get enough sales. Let's make it into a, like, not a proper game, but, you know, a game that nearly everyone can play. And, you know, I did a little story where... Um, for me, that game felt really special because I played in probably what might be the most optimal setting, which is with, mm. you know, a high-end PC with VR. And I was playing it just the other day, actually, um, because I recently upgraded my graphics card. So now I'm able to push the graphics even further. And I was just, mm. I was looking at a Star Destroyer and I was like, man, this, it's, it sounds dumb, but it looks like a really, like, highly detailed, like, model, like a real life model that you can buy mm. itself. And just, even in the prologue, I was just kind of sitting in my cockpit and just staring at like just the different little intricacies of all these different ships that you just don't get to really experience in the films or even other games as well. And in VR, that's an entirely different experience. And I wasn't yeah. playing it with like, you know, the the full shebang of like, um, you know, I was doing it with my mouse and keyboard, but in VR. And even then it's still a worthwhile experience, like aside, you know, pushing aside the full setup you can have with like a HOTAS and stuff, which is still enjoyable. But it's, it's a shame because I, I wish more people played that game in VR. Because I think mm. that's the actual way to really appreciate, yep. you know, the amount of work that went into all these little, like, models and ships and just everything. It just, uh, it's an entire experience compared like the, to the console experience. It is, like, the best simulator for the opening shot of a Star Wars movie where a giant Star Destroyer flies over the camera, isn't it? Like, it's yeah, that, yeah. That, and, that feeling of scale is, is and that, that's incredible. What that's what I'm saying, that, that sense of scale is... You, you can't find it if you're playing, you know, Star Wars Battlefront or Fallen Order or anything like that, just mm. because it that world, I feel like it's meant to exist in VR because yeah. that, that's yeah. how you, that's how, that's the real way to experience Star Wars, I guess, which is a weird thing to say, but it's just, it's really good in VR and I wish more people mm. experienced it. But like equally, like, because they've added B-Wings, another of yeah. my favorite. Imagine if they added the Falcon and you've got somebody piloting, somebody on guns, that would be amazing. Yeah. That would that would be solid. If I had enough friends to get to, to do it. <laughs> so there you go. The game I should have played the shit out of, but didn't. Fair enough. My first award is positive. <laughs> uh, although it comes from a place of original negativity. So it's even more positive by comparison. Percentage-wise, high positivity. Uh, mine is early access games are good, actually in shocking twist. Um, <laughs> I, I've i never really got on with the concept of early access. It's always felt slightly silly to me, in a yeah. way. Like, I've never understood why you'd want to play a game uh, before it's done. And yeah, so, no. like, I never really touched Hades. And I'd never touched, well, tons of games like this. Um, and I also think that often early access feels like a bit of a way to make sure that a game is never actually done. Things like Ark or Rust. And I know those things have reached like 1.0 levels, technically. I mean, you just look at Star Citizen, man. That game's never coming out. I was, oh my in, God, it's I was in year 11 where I asked my mum, mum, can I just have 20 quid just to put down a pre-order for Star Citizen thinking it was going to come out? I've now got a job and I'm 23. Like, what the fuck is going on, man? Like, this game's never coming out. I'm going to have kids by the time it's in beta. Like, it's just... It's, Absolutely. Imagine the celebration when it does come out. Sorry, Jay. <laughs> no, it's fine. My point here is that I have played three early access games this year that I thought were genuinely excellent and loved them. Uh, one was Noita, which did actually come out shortly afterwards in a 1.0 version. So I got one of the best versions, which is um, a procedural, like, roguelike platformer where you play a wizard, but it randomly generates spells and wands for you. And 
the the twist of it is that every single pixel in the game is simulated. So a pixel of earth acts differently to a pixel of water, acts differently to a pixel of whiskey, which is oh the God. thing in the game. You can get like pools of potions and you can mess with the world. And it's it's fucking hard. And it's really like I'm never going to be one of those people who actually cracks it or gets particularly far in it. But every so often I'll turn it on and just tool about with a bunch of spells I didn't know anything. And it doesn't tell you what they do before you use them. So you're just <laughs> yeah. like, you just shoot your wand and you can get wands that accidentally backfire and fire the things back into your face. Um, I cured myself from poisoning by drinking a potion that turned me into a sheep once. And I was like, this is the best. Uh, so that was really fun. <laughs> it's, it's basically um, the ultimate version of like the Fallen Sand Flash games that you might have played like Years I've never ago. played a falling sand. Flash oh, game. it's it's really weird. So like, there's a lot of these like user created like sandbox games. It's like particle simulation flash right. games where it's basically that where you have different elements. Like I don't know you have water and all sorts, and like you can mess around with like crafting like TNT and like lines and stuff, and like you mm. can. Oh, I do remember that. It's it's those kind of games, and it's basically that, but an actual game this time. Yeah. And it's class. Everyone it's really should good. play it. <laughs> it is actually out now, so you don't even have to have the early access version. Yeah. Uh, another runner-up, Hard Space Shipbreaker, which is the most relaxing game about engineering that I've ever played. I'm sure um, I'm going, man. <laughs> I've, I've never understood, uh, like, you know, like, car engine simulator or <laughs> fucking restocker shelf simulator. Yeah. But when it's transferred into you slowly but surely take apart uh, a futuristic spaceship for scrap... Um, Something about that really works for me. It was a great podcast game. I just sat around and like ripped the doors off of uh, little <laughs> shuttles and blew myself up with a reactor. It was great. Um, but the winner is a game called Cloud Gardens that I got absolutely obsessed with, which is by the guy that made Kingdom. There's nothing like Kingdom. You get tiny sp scraps of waste ground and you just have to cover them in nice plants. You just get <laughs> seeds and throw them at this horrible waste ground of a, what appears to be like a destroyed earth future and just grow as many plants as you can. And once you've grown a certain quota of plants, you can move on to the next tiny bit of waste ground. And it's like half, well, it's like a quarter of a puzzle game of working out where things will grow best and how to cover that ground and like maximize the amount of stuff you've put there. But really it's just about making beautiful little dioramas and then the best part of this to me is that it has a thing where you can replay the level in high speed and it like spins the camera around and records a video for you of all your plants growing and like filling up this space and just looking beautiful. So it's like so a super I, hot of plants. It's got a bit of super hot of plants <laughs> to it. Um, and yeah, the, it, like I put a bunch of videos of it just every day on my Instagram and on my Twitter and like, it's just a gorgeous game, and the fact that I know there's so much more to come from it makes early access feel like completely worthwhile because it's a mm. game where the concept is done, but right. the content isn't. So you play two hours, three hours of it, and you're done, and I know that next year I'll get to do that again, maybe once or twice, and I'm like... I'm just delighted with it. I think Cloud Gardens is beautiful. It seems uh, like so it's like the, the perfect antidote for this year and, oh, and, and everything absolutely. that's happened. It's so, I know like this is one of those words, but it is so mindful. You just sit there and like just <laughs> it's watch got stuff vibes. grow. It's got such vibes. Um, yeah, no, it's great. I love it. So not, I, Jess, I, 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 oh, sorry, sorry I, I got briefly into a short hike which I enjoyed oh, very much I love I short for that same cool. reason. And unfortunately, it hasn't made it into this awards, and it is very good. But again, yeah. a brilliant way to spend a few hours. Yeah, I played. I think I played that 
the tail end of last year when it was on PC, but it was on Switch this year, wasn't That's it? That's right, yeah. That's so good. Uh, all right, Jesse, Award 2, what you got? So yeah, I mean, I'll just kind of briefly touch upon it. Like this, I found this game to be the perfect antidote for this year, and it was released exactly when I needed it. And it's Microsoft Flight Simulator, and I told it as, this is going to sound kind of sad, but the best reminder to take care of myself and my family. And I know that sounds mad cheesy, but allow me to explain. Like, Like I said, Flight Simulator came out like exactly when I needed it to, and like, for everyone else, this year has been super tough, um, especially when it comes to being travel restricted. You can't see your family. And especially with mine, I have a lot of family that lives outside of England. I have family that lives in Gibraltar, Israel. I mean, even Wales. And I can't even fucking go to Wales. And it's basically down the road. Um, and when I think of like playable environments, Microsoft Flight Simulator has Earth. And I never thought that Earth would be the most, like the entirety of Earth would be the most exciting like playable space of 2020 when you compare to like, I don't know, The Last of Us, which has such highly detailed, like specific places you can, you know, play in when it comes to Microsoft Flight Simulator, it's an absolute technical triumph because it's it's the entirety of Earth simulated to such a degree that you've never seen before. Mm. Um, And it's just a few special things as well, like for the past few years, I mean, before COVID, obviously, I would go to Gibraltar um, and see my cousins and auntie there and stuff. And for me in real life, like when I'm in that plane and I'm coming to Gibraltar, which is just such a tiny island and you see like the rocks of Gibraltar, it's a really special moment for, for me because I know that like no matter what, I'm going to have like a fantastic time because I know I'm going to be seeing my family. And just being able to simulate part of that just by flying to Gibraltar and landing there, it, it feels really special. And then it, the same goes for, you know, this other specific area in the northwest of Spain called um, Acarunia, which is where I spent a lot of my summers as a kid, like visiting my nan and going to like this specific beach and being able to, you know, see land right next to this beach and actually see it how I remember it as a kid or fly over the park where I spent so many hours of like my childhood with my brother as well. Like it's, it's weird, but Microsoft Flight Simulator has like made me aware that despite how shit this year is, it hopefully it's only going to be like a blip on everyone's radar because you know hopefully maybe not next year but hopefully sometime soon like we're all going to be able to visit you know these special places uh, that we haven't been able to see in so long and hopefully not take it for granted and i know that was a whole spiel but that's why no that's great that was very nice. important. you make the rest of my awards look like <laughs> fucking pathetic <laughs> by know, comparison <laughs> but it's, it's one of the things i feel like you'd hope that everyone has like a one special place that they visited with their parents or their loved ones or you know their friends and you know, especially for me and my girlfriend, like we wanted to, we want to go to, you know, uh, either Japan or Iceland uh, next year. Um, and, you know, that that might, that probably won't happen given, you know, how COVID is and stuff like that. But just being able to sit down and be like, let's just fly over Japan or let's just check out Iceland or New Zealand or anything. And it's not like you're planning your holiday in the game, but just seeing mm. places to such a high degree of fidelity is like, it's mad. It really like, is. Can you, like, is it so detailed that you can actually recognize the beach that you went to or the places? Yeah, 100%, because um, wow. especially this one specific beach is called uh, Santa Santa Cristina. And I remember, like, there's two sections to the beach, and the north side of the beach is when you're, like, lying down in the sand and stuff, you look to your left, and there's this big hospital on, like, the hill and, like, these nice little, like, houses and stuff. And you see that in Flight Simulator, and it's not the exact way the building looks, but it's it's the correct size and it's the exact distance to where it should be. And it's like, I know what that is and what that means to me. 
it might not like look like the specific hospital, but there's these. It, it captures a lot of the special things which right. you love about traveling, and that I haven't been able to see because I've been I've spent most of my year in my, in a living room. Yes. <laughs> to be fair, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, do you do the the entire journey, or is it like oh, I'm just gonna get the plane halfway there? It's because I don't know how it works. Yeah. I don't know I mean, if you have to do the the takeoff and all that shebang. No, so I mean, like that's the great thing about flight simulators that like you have complete freedom. You can start however many uh, kilometers in the air if you want, or you can start right. from runway to runway and stuff. Uh, I mean, you can go on Google and just get the specific coordinates of anywhere you want and copy and paste it into the game. And it takes you straight to where you want to be. And uh, it's just the freedom that Flight Simulator brings. It's exactly that kind of zen I needed. Yeah. Compared to, I mean, my actual flying skills, which if you look at a few of the videos I uploaded are quite shit, <laughs> to be fair. I'm never going to be a pilot, but just being able to see these, these places... Uh, it's just, it, it's what I needed. And it reminded me that I'm going to be able to see, like, even you guys as well. Like, I'm dying to go back to the office and yeah. just have a moment where we're all just, you know, just sitting at our desks working and we can turn around and just talk to each other or, you mm. know, ask questions and shit. I, I desperately miss that. And Flight Simulator reminded me that it's not too far away. Mm. Like, it'll happen eventually. But, yeah. One of my favorite... um pieces about flight simulator is a video that uh, my friend matthew castle made for rock paper shotgun where he kind of goes into like the weird nostalgia of it because he's like he's flying over places that he knows but are only meaningful to him yeah. so he's like pointing out a specific car park he knows, <laughs> and like the weird the weird meaning of that to him versus what that actually looks like which is just a patch of ground but the yeah, fact yeah. that it is a perfect facsimile of the car yeah. park he knows is so weird um yeah. Yeah, I look forward to it being on Xbox so yes. that I can actually fucking play it. Um. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Alex, award two. Well, mine's a lot less wholesome than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah sorry. I am just a shallow idiot. <laughs> but uh, my second award is for the best Breath of the Wild game that isn't Breath of the Wild. Because, mm -hmm. fuck me, wouldn't it have been nice if Breath of the Wild 2 came out this year? Oh, my God. But it I didn't. It so much the bastards so <laughs> runner up goes to immortals phoenix rising which does a very good job of capturing the essence of what breath of the wild was about it's not as clever or as pretty hmm. and it's that weird it's on a you know it's a ps5 game that still doesn't quite look as good as a ps4 game does they yeah. they, <laughs> they haven't nailed like you know breath of the wild had such an amazing aesthetic you didn't even notice that it was you know running on a console that was underpowered mm. compared to everything else yeah immortals i it stood out like a sore thumb but actually once you get into it and you get all your powers and you start exploring that island it's really fun and mm. uh i think sadly it's probably going to get overlooked this christmas because there are so many other games doing the rounds but actually if you want to spend a, a nice way to well i don't know probably 20 hours i guess to, to finish mm. it you should do that yeah i mean but, if you don't have a switch like play immortals if you want yeah. to play Breath of the Wild, because, yeah. yeah. Can I just point out, you don't have Genshin Impact on this, which is literally a straight rip-off oh, of Breath of the well, Wild. There you go. So I've not actually played it, but it's, it's one of those... I played it. Whenever, it's, it's, it's fine. Whenever I switch on my PlayStation and you see your friends list pop up, Rory is always playing Genshin Impact. No, it's, it's the most Rory Powers X of this podcast uh, game, I can imagine. But Anime I Breath of the Wild. I don't know if he's out. actually playing it or whether he's just got it on pause, but it's, <laughs> I it's think literally... All the time. It's like, yeah. oh my God. Can you climb anything in that game? 
Because that's the Ooh. reason I really like Immortals and Breath of the Wild. It's like, I want to climb that mountain. I don't think you can climb... Oh, no, I think you can. I'm okay. pretty sure you can. Um, I haven't Installing played it since, immediately. Like, shortly after launch. Um, mm. but also, yeah. that's I like that about um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, the freedom to climb and all yeah, that same. stuff. Loved it. But the award for the most Breath of the Wild game that isn't Breath of the Wild goes to uh, Age of Calamity. Shocking. Which, oh my God. <laughs> they have done an astounding job of capturing what Breath of the Wild is like, even though when you're actually playing it, it hasn't got a whole lot in common because mm. it's you versus hundreds of bad guys. But like, I haven't really played many D- Dynasty Warriors games. I did, oh God, like years and years and years ago, probably two <laughs> generations ago but I'm not a fan like you, Joe. So mm. I didn't play the last Hyrule Warriors that much because I wanted my Zelda experiences to be pure. Mm. But pure. I know, <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> um, but like from when they first showed the trailer, which was actually not that long before launch, was it? It was like no, it was, a few months. It was a, I, I loved how they released this game. Yeah. They were just like, it's here, it's coming out in November. See you later. <laughs> and, then the, and then the demo, straight after playing the demo, is like, I am totally sold on this. Mm. Um, and you know there are times when you look at that map and oh my god there's literally hundreds of things I've got to go and do this and I've got to go and do that and it's quite overwhelming in a way that Breath of the Wild wasn't Mm. Um, but still like there's so much to it that just go off and enjoy it and and, and also you know seeing all these characters that you caught glimpses of in in Breath of the Wild seeing some of their backstory is like for me it was was very magical you've just um, you I've never thought about this, but it's really funny to hear you talk about the map because when you think about it, like the map in Age of Calamity is essentially like the nightmare version of Breath of the Wild. Like if they fucked up Breath of the Wild, that's what the map would have looked like. Because it's really funny. You finish a mission, go a little tick and then like boring, 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 boring. You have to sit there for like 30 (laughs) seconds as new stuff appears. Um, Yeah, I've still not, I've still not, I stalled completely on the end game, but like... I, and I've talked a lot about it on the podcast, but it, it basically it is like breath of it's playable breath of the wild fan fiction. You know when yeah. you know when it's like people rewrite Harry Potter stories, but it's all about fucking like either sex or violence. <laughs> yep. Um, and like it's the violence version yes. of breath of the wild fan fiction. I've not it's seen that sexy ludicrous. time. No, I mean I'm still you know there's still the uh, ongoing. Um, tension between Mifa and Link yes. which just won't go away that shark lady wants a piece of Link but it's, um, it's one of those things like it constantly like drops in things that you I just didn't expect to that mm. were in Breath of the Wild it's like oh my god they put that in there and like you know again I think I spoke about in the podcast but like when you're in different areas of the map you get the same thing so if you chop down a tree you'll get an apple if you're in Hyrule yeah. and then like bananas really cool. if you're over in Garuda Desert and like oh, some, some of the unlockable characters are fucking hilarious as well like there are some weird deep cuts in there that you would never guess they'd put in um, yeah. and like some of them you might like I genuinely I found I think I've said this before but I found one like 30 levels later than I should have done because it was just locked behind a series of side quests I didn't know were there Yeah. Um, because the map is too full well that's it and, yes yeah. And I like it's so good to just get these characters where you're like, what the fuck is this one doing here? Yeah. So is it like actually kind of open world? Because I haven't really seen much no, of no. the game. Okay. Right. No, so it's it's like a it's like a Dynasty Warriors game where yeah, every yeah. battlefield is separated and you just pick them on a map. Right, um, okay. Yeah. So it's it's got that to it. Right, yeah. fair enough. I, I, 
what a weird surprising thing to exist i love that it's there uh all right my second award is for game by a developer that i would almost certainly always talk about on the podcast but somehow barely did for any of these um (laughs) (laughs) runners up Fuser by Harmonix. We barely talked about Fuser after talking about Dropmix for about 300 years. <laughs> it, um, well, it must be in our meetings because you, you've spoken a lot about Fuser. But it I must do just talk a lot our, about Fuser. In our I just don't think I've. I don't think we've talked about it. To be fair, of these th- of these three, it's probably the one I've talked about most on right, the podcast. Okay. But mm. um, uh, like Dropmix is one of my favorite like innovations in games for years. Like the way it put together. The way it created mashup stuff, and I, I'm an unashamed fan of mashups. I find them really funny, yeah, and I like nice listening here. to them. <laughs> um, and Fuser does what we we'd said on the podcast. I wish this was a video game, and Fuser is the video game. Like right. they've done it. They've even half the songs from Dropmix are in Fuser. Like they know what they're doing. Um, I think it could have done some things better. I don't think the online stuff's good enough. I don't think somehow Dropmix's bad game component is is better than what they did for multiplayer and user. Like, it's not very fun to do the battles. But sitting down, I've lost hours to freestyle mode in that game. I love <laughs> it so much. Just sitting there making absolute abominations yeah. for a long time. It's really good. Um, unfortunately, part it's it's hard to share what you can create because... You can't capture natively because of licensing stuff. Um, so it's just a bit like, it's a bit fiddly to actually show people what you've made, but it, yeah. it's a great thing. Like um, Related, sorry. but not on quite the same. Like um, when the new GTA heist came out this week, I thought I'm just going to go and check it out. And so I went down into the music locker, which is the new nightclub underneath mm. the casino. And I actually probably spent about 45 minutes just kind of standing in there, just listening to the DJ set while I was working. <laughs> and then with like strobes going off in the background. And every now and then I'll press L2 to have a little bit of a dance. <laughs> and it was like, and I didn't get killed, which was amazing because there's loads of people in there. And mm. every now and then you see a little skull appear. It's like, uh... but, um, but again, like I haven't been able to go to a nightclub. Not, not that I've been to a nightclub <laughs> in fucking years anyway. <laughs> but the idea of being in a social space actually felt yeah. very nice even though it was virtually yeah if there's one thing al misses about the real world in the pandemic it's getting not absolutely off his tits in ministry of sound Jesus, uh, 20 years out of date <laughs> my my second uh runner-up for this is a game i i didn't even play um it's uh, <laughs> wonderful 101 remastered I'm obsessed with Platinum games. I love them so much. And Wonderful 101 is one of those games that I, I'm a tedious Wii U apologist. I think it's fucking amazing, that console. Um, and Wonderful 101 is a game that I spent years telling everyone was actually good. Um, has one of the best endings of a game that I can never remember. It's fucking incredible. Um, it's like the stupidest anime Power Rangers bullshit you've ever seen. That sounds um, wicked. It's so good. Man, play Wonderful 101. But somehow... I just never got around to it. I've been wanting to play this game again since the Wii U came out. Yeah. Um, and I just didn't do it. I don't know how. Uh, so can't be my winner. My winner, because inevitably every year I end up talking endlessly about a game by Inkle, the people who made 80 Days, Sorcery, and Heaven's Vault last year, which was on my list of alternative awards last year. But they released a game called Pendragon this year, which I love. I don't think I ever talked about it, which is absurd. Um, <laughs> it's a game about... It's a strategy game 
that generates a narrative based on the King Arthur legend. And you you start as a character, you travel across England and you try and save King Arthur from being killed by his horrible son, Mordred. And it's the same thing every time. Your runs are usually about 40 minutes, but the stories it tells are completely generated differently every single time. You get different companions, you meet different people, you can earn new characters by accident. You can get like abilities based on your choices in the story. And it's like, it's just this brilliant little 40 minute uh, like storytelling generator alongside quite a hardcore strategy game. Like it's right. got a little bit of XCOM to it. Um, like Heaven's Vault, I, I really don't like the art style very much. And I think for me, that lets it down a bit. I know people who really love how they, how, how Inkle do their art, but it's just not for me. But the, the tech behind their games, no one else does storytelling stuff like this. And I can't believe I didn't talk about Pendragon, but God, it's, it's really good. <laughs> it's on a PC. It's just PC at the moment. Mm. I, I would be very surprised if it didn't come to Switch. Right. Um, and they've they've just, just as a heads up, they've just brought Heaven, or announced Heaven's Vault for Switch, which is fucking amazing. I do so want to play that. play that. It's so good. Mm. Um, that's still like a high watermark for me, but Pendragon's great. Uh, Jesse, your third award. Yep, and this category, category goes to best fuck it, we'll do it ourselves game. And that's, uh, that's for Back for Blood. So just to preface here, yeah, this is uh, going into alpha or it already is in alpha. And I've only put yep. four hours into it now, but from what I've played already, it's left an incredible mark within my mind. It's award winning, no less. It's, 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 <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's an award winning four hours. <laughs> Genuinely to me it is. Um, yeah. So in case you don't know, Back for Blood is essentially Left for Dead 3, the one you never got from Total Rock Studios. And when it comes to that series, Left for Dead, I've probably put like maybe a thousand hours into that series from the Xbox 360 to the PlayStation 3 version of Left 4 Dead 2 and the PC. It's Left 4 Dead has always been that like comfortable series I can always fall back on. Like if I'm messed, like just chilling on my computer and I want to hop on Discord and play a really like not chill game, but an easy to play game. It's, Left 4 Dead it's, is not it's a Left chill game. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, it's for me, it's one of those chill games that like I can kind of switch my brain off and just like glide through it and for years now i've been waiting for left 4 dead 3 for i mean like i said for years and no game has really scratched that itch you've had like world war z gtfo uh vermintide and i know they all do different things but it's still kind of it's kind of built upon that foundation that left 4 dead laid so many years ago and yep. when i actually played uh, back for blood it is like i said it is the exact spiritual success that's left 4 dead 3 that you would want even down to like things that are what like were staples in left for dead so in that in that series you had what's called like the game director and it was valve's mm. own little spin on how every playthrough playthrough is a little bit different so mm. when i first played it there was this um little room that i went into that was like chock full of weapons and ammo and stuff and then when i played it with a few of our american colleagues i said guys come over here there's a there's like a little secret room here and then when i played it that room didn't exist and i felt like an absolute dickhead <laughs> leading these guys here because they thought i was crazy <laughs> it's one of those weird things where like every little playthrough is different so certain pathways or doors might be blocked or perhaps you're having a really easy time through one particular section of the map and then the game director notices that and then just ramps up the difficulty to something like completely suddenly um, and throws like the hardest enemies at you and it has what i would expect to be the natural progression from left 4 dead because in the original name in the original left 4 dead you couldn't really upgrade your weapons and aside from the game director there wasn't that much choice but in back for blood you now have like a deck system so before you start a campaign you can edit your deck and choose different cards and these cards will have like different 
stat effects and stuff. So for me, I chose a card that offers me 30% more healing efficiency, but 10% like less stamina. Or you might have another one which allows you to, whenever you get a melee kill, you can get like two health back or something like that. So I was really interested when we're going into the final segment of this map, you like whether, you know, an endless horde appears where I was like, okay, I'm going to go for a card, which means that when I heal myself, it also heals you at the same time, or someone's going for like different like team effects overall. And it's, it's that cooperative feeling of like, you couldn't really get that in Left 4 Dead where people are going for specific builds now within when, when you're playing the game. And it was just, it was a really cool, like diversion to what you experience in Left 4 Dead, because now it's more about these cards and how they affect the team overall and stuff. So mm. is it the same premise in terms of like you're in a safe house, then you've got to go through yeah, yeah, you, and, and you, then to another safe house. and Yeah, you literally start going. from safe house to safe house. And yeah. it is, it's pretty, it's the same way like Immortals is basically Breath of the Wild. This mm. is basically Left 4 Dead, but it's improved upon and it, it, it looks really good. And like the way the game sounds is like just the guns sound really crunchy and like punchy and stuff. And it's, it's pretty much Left 4 Dead 3. They never got a chance to develop it after the yeah. mess, which was Evolve. So it's like, fuck, we're going to do it ourselves because Left 4 Dead 3 ain't going to happen anytime soon. Does it have witches in it? It basically has like the own version of witches, which is essentially like a collection of crows. So if you piss right. off the crows, then <laughs> the horde comes down <laughs> and stuff. It's really cool. But you have like, you have, you know, like the tank version and the boomer, like it, yeah. it has their own spin on it, but it's essentially the same kind of like mobs and enemies. Because the witch was was one of the most terrifying Oh like yeah, yeah, hundred percent. When you came up against her, like you didn't want to fuck around with her. But um, yeah, it's it's weird because we just no game has scratched that Left 4 Dead itch for years, and some games have come close to it. And I was just so surprised to see that they're like, let's just make our own version of Left 4 Dead. Even the logo, like it's they yeah. know what they're doing. They know <laughs> they know who's going to buy this game, and it's me. So congrats, Total <laughs> Rock. There you go. <laughs> Thousand hours incoming. Um, yep. I'm, Left 4 Dead is a game I never really played like it just kind of whistled by me it was mm. it kind of came out during a time where i think i was playing fewer games like i think maybe just before or during uni mm. or oh, i just okay. didn't have time or i didn't have access to stuff so i didn't really i may be totally wrong on that but it, like it just i just never got around to it Fair and enough. so i'm quite interested in this because i thought part of their pitch for this was it was gonna be really different or at least have lots of big different elements but yeah. from what i can tell it is core Left 4 Dead plus new stuff. Yeah, than, yeah. It's it's what yeah. I would expect the natural progression of Left 4 Dead to be, considering now you have like different, a lot of games now offer like somewhat RPG elements in them anyway. And now mm. like Back 4 Blood has that within its own card system, which is quite cool. Yeah. Um, but still, it's just, it's fun because Left 4 Dead had its own life of its own, even after the official updates with like custom campaigns and stuff. And I feel like Back 4 Blood, if it doesn't offer at least some kind of modded support for PC, I can't imagine it's going to live as long as Left 4 Dead has, where people are still mm. making custom campaigns people for it now. People are still playing it, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I think in Tuesday's podcast, I said I thought it had base building, which was just completely wrong. So, <laughs> um, just, to, just to clear that up. Um, Al, I'm going to go ahead of you because I think yours is probably a better climactic award Ooh, okay. um, than mine. I'm always uh, happy to handle the climax. Yeah, be, oh, the, be the climax for us. Um, easy joke. <laughs> sorry. Why not? With what? We're nearly I, an hour I, into I this podcast. Of, have easy I expect more of adults. <laughs> well, All right. Well, you've been misled. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my final award is for 
the best Annapurna interactive game of the year in brackets <laughs> for me. Um, I will preface this by saying that I have not played their game If Found, um, which I know some people say is like actually one of the best games of the year. I just haven't got around to it, so it's not on my list. All right? Terrible. That's why it's got in brackets for me. They're your awards, uh, Joe's. No one else's. I know. Uh, Annapurna Interactive, I think, at this point, are now my favourite publisher. They just make, they just nail on stuff that I like over and over again. Next year's lineup looks so good to me. I can't believe how excited I am to play, like, The Artful Escape, 12 Minutes, Maquette, uh, Solar Ash, Open Roads, which they announced the other day, that Stray, cool. that weird futuristic cat game. Like, everything they're making sounds fucking amazing. Or Mm. publishing, I should say. They're not making it. Um, And this year, I think, was slightly... It it was slightly less exciting to me at the start. But the stuff stuff I've played now, I'm just like, they just can't do anything wrong for me. Um, Runners Up, I Am Dead, the weird game by the Hohokam boys about talking to ghosts on a nice British island full of fish people. Brilliant. (laughs) Really fun. Um, Reviewed that for the site. The Pathless, which I think kind of went under, under... talked about at the launch of the ps5 but like it's a really weird interesting take on an open world action game with Mm. like bizarre kind of uh target painting bullet hell style shooting mechanics yeah the speed of that game is really really fun yeah to be fair like like the thing the best thing i can compare it to is something like fucking tripes (laughs) like it's got that like weird constant movement feeling like it's it's wild i think it's really cool but uh they finished they published the finished version of Kentucky Route Zero this game this year, which is a game that I've been playing for seven years on and off because That's they've mad. released five episodes over the course of an entire console generation, and it's just like it's the most odd like deconstruction of point and click that I've well that I've ever seen. There's not a lot of deconstructions of point and click to be honest, but <laughs> it's like a magical realist story about traveling down a kind of haunted secret highway in southern america but it's also about like post-capitalism america and like old age and all these like big themes but it never feels overbearing it's just quite like quiet somber absolutely beautiful like i've never seen a game that looks like it and it's also a document of the developer cardboard computer getting better at being developers that's you can cool. see over the over seven years, you can see them getting more and more confident. Yeah. Like the first episode is basically a point and click with a really interesting thing where your dialogue choices are often creating the character. They're not just responding. It's like you're choosing their backstory or choosing you choose the name of a dog as a thing. It's like, how do you want to talk to this dog? And it gives you three names. And it's like there's something really neat about how it's kind of asking you to play with it. But then the more it goes on, the more weird they get with it. Like, there's whole scenes where it's security guards talking about watching your characters do stuff, but you're choosing what your characters do based on what the security guards are saying they saw on the CCTV. Or, like, I think there's a scene where you just walk a cat around and listen to everyone talking. And it's just... It just fucks around with what controlling a character and controlling their dialogue means more yeah. and more over time it's just amazing like such a cool it's a thing only games could do and only really Annapurna for Interactive would publish at this scale yeah like the Kentucky Route Zero is is something that people talk about is kind of nuts because it's so experimental and so weird 
Um, but I'm just delighted that it's there and that it exists. And I'm, I think it's the best Annapurna interactive game of 2020, with the caveat that I haven't played it found. And is that uh, um, PC or is that everything? As that's well? on everything now. Ah. Yeah. So they, so when they did the final episode release, they bundled it together and called it the TV edition, and it's on everything. I think because that's um, like I don't have a PC, so I'm mm. kind of limited uh, in that respect. But I, yeah, you've reminded me that um, you you got me a code for was it Pathfinder, and I totally forgot that I had it. Oh, the path yeah. sorry yes yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um yeah. so I'll, I'll check that out over christmas but yeah kentucky route zero is great as well because it's got five main episodes and four interludes between those episodes every episode's like two hours long so you can just like oh, sit perfect. down yeah play it like a movie stop come back to it mm. do an interlude when you've got half an hour yeah and then kind of or just skip them if you don't want the non-story stuff and it's just really well is thought it through is it different stories each episode because i've been meaning to play this game for years but i've always been waiting for the definitive release of it so the five episodes are a single contiguous story and then the interludes are things that like inform the next episode but they're often with different characters or characters who appear in the background or you know like but it's it's very odd it's very like it's willfully a bit confusing in places because it wants you to keep guessing what the fuck this means um but it just goes to i mean it's about a haunted highway it goes to weird places it's very cool um Mm. yeah it's great i love it Alex, close us out. Climax for us. Here comes the big climax. (laughs) Uh, So this award is called the Try to Think of a Clever Award, but actually these were just my favourite games. Mm. (laughs) Fair. And the runner-up... You've snuck it, sorry, in our alternative game awards. You've just snuck in an actual just normal game of the year award. There there is a reason for this. So the reason... um, So the runner-up is Hades, because unlike... Squadrons, which on paper is my perfect game, I should fucking hate Hades because, <laughs> like, the idea of just playing something over and over again just puts me off. It's one of the reasons why I have no interest in Dark Souls or anything like that. Mm. But this just does it in a way that I just didn't expect. Um, and it's probably the most stylish game I have seen for God knows how long. Mm. Um, and I was expecting that uh, I'd probably have to sit there for hours on end and see the same stuff, but I'm not. I'm just like, because it's like randomly generating the dungeons each time, you learn something each time. You're just talking to the the different people in the underworld is just a laugh, but then you find, you know, little glimmers of information, upgrades. Uh, and I just thought it was, it, for me, it came out of nowhere. I know everybody else at the time was like, this is fucking amazing. Um, but it's like, it was a game that I shouldn't like, but I thought it was brilliantly done. That's why I haven't played it's it because it seems like one of those games you where should. it's like I'm gonna be shit at it. And I, but like, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. You will die, and you will die a fuck ton. But it never became frustrating, like I think Dark Souls would for me. Like the idea of spending eight hours on a single boss in Dark Souls, <laughs> no thanks. But this doesn't do that. And you love okay. Dark Souls, anyways. I, I think you would love it. I honestly okay. do. I do have it's to give so it a go good. then. And it was, I think, I got it for like eighteen quid on the Nintendo store, and it's. You know, mm. a, a bargain. Uh, but my winner for the most boring award, uh, this is me saying it's the boring award, not the game itself, is uh, <laughs> The Last of Us 2. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. It's a little game that came is out. Is that an indie game? Uh, it's published by this little developer called Naughty Dog. They've done a few other games, but not too much cool. other stuff. And they were, it wasn't, uh, it was quite a short development time on this. They didn't aim for anything <laughs> high. Um, it's quite a basic game. But no, honestly, yeah. like... Uh, 
I I was writing notes about it and and it may be a little bombastic, but I wrote down that I think this is one of those games that happens once in a generation because I thought from the story to the production to well everything about that game was as as polished a game as I have ever seen. Mm. And I I understand why people their decisions were divided over it, but I loved The Last of Us, but I didn't have that connection with Joel. Mm. And so I wasn't outraged when that thing happened. Yeah. I just thought it was like, this is cool. But I loved the fact that how it made me feel about Ellie and how it made me feel about Abby and then how that switched. And, you know, at the very end of the game, I was just like, fuck, I don't know who to root for anymore. Yeah. And I thought that was superbly done. And it's a bit long in places, but fuck me. It was like, I've never felt so tense as when I was going through that the dropping through the levels of the hotel uh, yeah. and you know, the, 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 um, I can't remember what the infected are that are in the walls, but then they pop out and then the ones that are hiding. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It's just, <laughs> like I felt incredibly on edge, but at the same time I loved every minute. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an I experience it's, and I know that sounds cheesy, but like just visually and on the audio level, it's like untouched compared to a lot of games. It will be, I, I know, like, we've got games that are more technically impressive on console right now, but it will be, I think it will be a little while before we see a game on PS5 that looks as, like, yeah. completely good yeah. as Last of Us Part Two did for me. Like, there's something about the way that world feels put together and the way it's presented and, like, all the tiny touches around it that just feels so far beyond um, most games, like, art direction. And I know, you know it's because of money and time yes. but it's just it's incredible and i think it i think it's been f- not forgotten but you know like the discourse around it became so much a part of its release yes. that yeah it's kind of easy to forget that it, like it's some of the best combat i've played in a third person action game it's for a so very good, long man. time it's i so fucking good. love fighting in that game yeah. like that first i can't remember the name of the place that that settlement you go settlement that town you go to with uh ellie yeah and it just turns into an all-out like firefight amongst these houses if you don't yeah. do it full stealth which i never did and it's just it's so exciting oh man it's amazing i was playing that um, game like i was rambo man i had the explosive yeah. bow and arrow and i was just <laughs> but, fucking people up and it looks so fact- good the I, fact that you can yeah. is so wonderful. Like that, it lets you mess with that side of things. That mm. it's not like because the first game was so much about like creep, 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 fuck up, run away, deal with it. Yeah. yeah Whereas yeah. this one just felt like it gave into the idea of no, you can if you're good, you can really go for this. You can fight. Um, I'm really interested to see. You know, they're still planning on, I believe, a multiplayer patch. And oh like, yeah. Like the idea of playing that game as like a multiplayer shooter. Sounds really good to me. I mean, like, people really wanna... enjoyed the Last of Us multiplayer. I never yeah, touched yeah, it, yeah. but I was like really yeah. loved, like with the community and stuff. So yeah. Last of Us Two multiplayer is just going to be people's heads getting ripped off. Because that's I what's going to happen, like baby. This generation's version of the Mass Effect Three multiplayer that everyone forgot, but is one of the best. It's really good person shooters. <laughs> yeah, it's so fucking good. Um, yeah. Oh man, what a game! I'm glad we got to talk about it. Well, that's it. I hope it was a satisfying climax for well for you two and everybody <laughs> listening because I'm all about that. He's so giving. He's, so, <laughs> I he's am such so a giving, giving. man. <laughs> 
that is our alternative awards. If you have alternative awards for games in 2020, I want to hear what you like the best. I want to hear what you like the weirdest. Um, you can send them to IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Or is it IGN UK underscore feedback? IGN no, IGN underscore, underscore UK feedback. <laughs> Fucking hell, we've got to change that address. Um, yeah, uh, you can send them in. Or just send us, you know, just, just say Happy New Year or whatever. I don't give Happy a shit. Nice. Um, we, we won't be responding properly to, uh, to feedback until the first week of January just so everyone knows. Um, the first working week of January. But we would love to receive all your feedback. We want to know about your games of the year, your films of the year, and also uh, your thoughts on Cyberpunk. We asked on Tuesday. I would still like to hear those in case you haven't listened to that extremely long breakdown of all the a million things that happened last week. Um, and we've got more coming for you. We've got the sandwich special. Fuck knows what that's going to be. We haven't recorded it yet. Um, no. And uh, yeah, there's probably some other shit as well. Enjoy yourselves. <laughs> bye bye. 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 Black smoke's arising and it surely is a train. Surely is a train, boys. Surely is a train. Black smoke's arising and it surely is a train. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.